2: Welcome to Main Street Vegan with hosts Victoria and Adair Moran. Victoria is an author, inspirational speaker, and a certified holistic health counselor and vegan lifestyle coach. She's here with her daughter Adair, a lifelong vegan and an actress, a playwright, and a stunt performer to entertain, educate, and inspire you on your journey to look and feel amazing, eat extraordinary food, help animals, and create a physical body perfectly attuned to spiritual growth. Now let's get this party started. Here are your hosts, Victoria and Adair.
3: Everybody, this is Victoria Moran with Main Street Vegan. Are you excited? Are you excited about being thankful and eating lots of food and seeing people that you love and people that you tolerate? Only being honest. Only being honest. The holiday season is about to be upon us. I am so, so excited. I am a Christmas season maven. And I celebrate every possible aspect of it, starting with Thanksgiving, which is really, really special to me. Because my son-in-law, my daughter Adair's husband, is in the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade almost every year. He's going to be in it this year walking on stilts. So take a look, and when you see the stilt guy walking by, say, Hey, Nick. How were your Thanksgiving morning pancakes? Because Nick is the creator of the holiday pancake recipe in our book, Main Street Vegan. Now, I still say our, as if my darling daughter, Adair, were still sitting next to me, but she has gone on to do other things, as these grown-up children often do. So today, I'm very, very fortunate to have a co-host right here sitting next to me, which just really adds to the energy and makes everything delightful, delicious, and divine. And she is Alicia Leeds Myers VLC and what that means is vegan lifestyle coach. She is a new graduate of Main Street Vegan Academy. And if you would like to come to Main Street Vegan Academy, just check us out at MainStreetVegan.net Academy. But Alicia came to the Academy with a great background of her own. She's done holistic health counseling for a long time. She's an expert in that pesky pesky topic of keeping our weight where we'd like it to be welcome alicia thank you victoria i'm so honored to be here today Well, it's wonderful to have you here. So just give me your 60-second take on the whole weight issue. Why is it such a big deal, and what do people need to be doing about it? Well, weight management in America
4: today is really difficult because we live in an environment that's really designed to help us gain weight. And so finding solutions, finding food that is delicious and healthy and available is tricky for a lot of people. Um, What what we try to help people do is find those solutions, eat more fruits and vegetables. Those are the foods that are highly nutritious and also those foods that help you keep your weight down. Um, The trick is to learn how to use those
3: foods Um, in your everyday life. Well, one thing that I have found, and I think most of my listeners, if they're long-time listeners, know that I am an obesity survivor. I used to be a little over 60 pounds more than I am now, and this has been um, kept off for uh, close to 29 years at this point. And I realized that having become vegan 29 years ago, something that is different for me this time of year is that I usually have Thanksgiving dinner two or three or four times. And this is because so many of the vegan, vegetarian, and animal rights organizations have Thanksgiving dinners. So this last weekend, I was upstate at Watkins Glen, New York, for the wonderful celebration for the turkeys for Farm Sanctuary, the first animal sanctuary for farmed animals uh, ever anywhere. So it was a wonderful, wonderful day spent with the animals. And then we had this glorious big Thanksgiving feast. And Monday night, there was another Thanksgiving feast here in New York City for a sanctuary in New Jersey called For the Animals. And then, of course, tomorrow I'll be feasting with my daughter and, and her husband and our various dogs but back when I used to have one traditional Thanksgiving dinner, I battled my weight all the time. Now that I have three, it's not a battle. Mysterious? Well, not so mysterious, actually, Victoria, because
4: the great thing about vegetables and fruits is the more vegetables and fruits you eat, the easier it is to manage your weight. So when you're having a Thanksgiving feast that is plant-based, you can eat Three or four Thanksgiving feasts without having
3: to worry about your weight. Isn't it wonderful? It's amazing. So before we got started today, our our lovely engineer, Jeff, said, I want to know what vegans eat for Thanksgiving. So what are you going to be having tomorrow, Alicia? (laughs)
4: Well, absolutely. Some butternut squash and some um, roasted sweet potatoes, some Brussels sprouts and green beans, um, and probably some kind of yummy vegan pumpkin pie. Mm. Um, last year was the first year that we made a vegan pumpkin pie. My mom actually um, dug down deep and, and made a vegan gluten-free pumpkin pie, and it was
3: absolutely delicious. Sounds, so we'll make that again. That sounds yummy. Now, I have been blogging for the past 10 days or so, the Thanksgiving recipes that I'll start preparing tonight and we'll be preparing tomorrow. And just to share those with everybody, you can check them all out at mainstreetvegan.net slash blog. But today, it's actually something Jeff would probably appreciate, my mother's beer muffins. Oh, wow. You know, it's not all super health food. And one of the things I'm thankful for was that I had a mom who was amazing. She worked before mom's work. She believed in herself. And she gave me the sense that I could do anything, too. So we're going to have my mom's beer muffins, yams with cranberries and apples from a wonderful book called The Peaceful palette by Jennifer Raymond. Nava Atlas's Mixed Greens with Avocado and Blueberries. That's from Nava's Vegan Holiday Kitchen. And Nava Atlas, as you know, is one of our um, instructors, this term for Main Street Vegan Academy. Then Mock Chicken Loaf Florentine with Chickenless Gravy. Now, some years we buy a Tofurky, yeah. which you can just get at the health food store, and it kind of takes the place on the table where the dead bird used to be. Or you can make something that has that sense. And this comes from the Compassionate Cook by Ingrid Newkirk, the founder of PETA, whom I just absolutely adore. Then Stuffed Acorn Squash from How to Eat Like a Vegetarian, even if you never want to be one. And Easy Pear Crisp with Walnuts. That's from Sweet and Easy Vegan by Robin Aspel, who's been on the show, and I think he's going to be on the show again later in the winter because we love her food so much. So it's basically all the stuff we used to eat Except nobody died.
4: Yeah, and that makes it a lot easier to be thankful for all of the things that you have when you know that no one's had to suffer
3: so that you could be enjoying the food that you're having. It's so, so true, especially when you get to know the turkeys. You can actually adopt a turkey at Farm Sanctuary or one of these other animal sanctuaries. And this is your adopted Turkey child. So when you go to visit the (laughs) sanctuary, you get to break the no bringing food rule. It's kind of like when you visit your kid at summer camp, you get to sneak in some extra treats. There was a woman at Farm Sanctuary this weekend who'd adopted a goat. And while all the rest of us just wanted to be feeding somebody, she had grapes she was feeding the goats. So you get some perks when you're an adoptive parent. Speaking of perks, I want to send out congratulations to one of our number, wonderful wonderful vegan author and inspiration, Chris Carr. Some of you know her from her documentary, Crazy Sexy Cancer, and her fabulous book, Uh, Crazy Sexy Diet. Well, she now has, with Chef Chad Sarno, a wonderful new book called Crazy Sexy Kitchen, and it is on the New York Times bestseller list. People are into vegetables. Yahoo! And we are into our two fabulous guests coming up here in just a second. Jenny Brown first from Woodstock Farm Animal Sanctuary and her book, The Lucky Ones. And then Ann Dinshaw of the American Vegan Society, co-author of a brand new kids cookbook, apples, bean dip and carrot cake. Sounds like Thanksgiving evening dinner. Stay with us.
1: Did you know that most of us operate on autopilot and don't even realize it? In fact, psychologists suggest automatic behavior has become the rule of thumb these days. Jesse Harriet wants to talk with you about how to make the switch from barely thriving and functioning to living a fully functioning, conscious, and purposeful life. The all is mind, and so are you. Call in with your questions and comments for Jesse Live every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Central Time on Living on Purpose, where we blend psychology and ancient wisdom. Only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world.
2: listening to main street vegan with victoria and adair moran if you have questions or comments about today's topic or any other area of interest we invite you to follow victoria moran on twitter or email her at mainstreetvegan at unityonlineradio.org now back to main street vegan
3: Welcome back to Main Street Vegan. I'm Victoria Moran. I'm here today with co-host Alicia Leeds Myers and our first wonderful guest, Jenny Brown, a longtime animal advocate and co-founder and director of the Woodstock Farm Animal Sanctuary, a nonprofit farmed animal shelter and advocacy organization located in the Catskill Mountains of New York. Jenny was once a successful television professional But after a week-long trip spent undercover to film horrific farm animal abuse in the Texas stockyards in 2002, she decided to give up her media career and dedicate her life to helping the animals that society had forgotten. Oh, Jenny, bless your heart, and welcome to the show.
0: Thank you so much for having me on, Victoria. I'm a big
3: fan. Oh, bless you. Well, that goes both ways, and your book, The Lucky Ones, is such a great read. You know, the gift-giving season is coming up, so do take a look at at Jenny's wonderful book, The Lucky Ones. It would be, somebody would be lucky to find it under their tree coming up (laughs) in the next month or so. So, Jenny, what compelled you to start a sanctuary for rescued farm animals? Well, I um,
0: I had become a supporter of Farm Sanctuary and started receiving their um, mailings, and I decided to take a trip out there. I, you know, I'd been an animal act, activist and advocate for a long time, but uh, for, for all types of animals, you know, pr- protesting circuses, protesting um, cosmetic testing. But when I learned about Farm Sanctuary and read about the plight of the 10 billion land animals that we kill every year for food and that in a day and age when it's not nutritionally necessary, I became really inspired by their work, and I wanted to go out there and meet the animals. And um, I was blown away from my first trip out there, you know, seeing, not that I'd had a tremendous amount of experience being around farmed animals, but seeing happy, sociable, personable animals that were not treated as commodities or production units, Um it just it made me want to do something for them. And, of course, all animal issues matter in terms of cruelty to animals or killing animals for senseless reasons. But farm animals, you know, if you look at a pie chart, they make up the most number of animals in this country that are killed, and they're so misunderstood and they're so ignored. So um, after that weekend at Farm Sanctuary, I met Gene uh, Gene Bauer, who, of course, is the co-founder and president. I had told him that I had done some undercover work, video work, in the early 90s for PETA and said that I'd like to get involved again, that I freelanced, I worked in film and television, but that I would, I would love to help them out in any way that I could and that I was brave and daring enough to do it. And three weeks later, I got a call and uh, a flight was booked for me and they sent me out to Texas for a week documenting downed animals. So Farm Sanctuary flew me to Texas, rented a car for me, and I went from stockyard to stockyard looking for downed animals, which are the animals that are too weak or sick, to actually walk onto the trucks headed to slaughter, and um, and of course, as you well know, they're treated in um, deplorable ways in terms of how they get them onto the trucks and off the trucks at the slaughterhouses, because an animal has to be alive when he or she reaches. The kill floor, they cannot arrive dead at a slaughterhouse to be used for human consumption. So what I saw during that week, downed animals and just the treatment of animals, the very first thing that I saw was a whole truckload of veal calves being unloaded from a a local uh, dairy operation. 20 or so male calves who had all been born that week or in the past two weeks waiting for that day's auction to happen so they could be sold to a veal farmer. Some of them still slick with birth, um, umbilical cords dangling, uh, weak, unable to stand, and watching these men prod them with electric prods, drag them by their legs, drag them by their ears, it was that week. I mean, even in that moment, I became a steadfast vegan. And after that week, I decided to leave my career and do anything and everything I could to raise awareness about the plight of farm animals. And then so after working at Farm Sanctuary for a year, um, and the, the the deal was, I'll do more video work for you guys. I'll even uh, put my film editing husband into the package, and if you'll allow me to live and work here for a year to understand um, what it is that you're doing, how to care for these animals, because what really appealed to me was the unique opportunity that sanctuaries have in that you put pe- people face-to-face with animals they only know as food, and they behave very differently when they're treated with respect and kindness and they behave very much like the animals that we know and love as as our companion animals that's what i wanted to do i wanted to carry that torch i wanted to be around these animals and at the same time be a voice for them through advocacy and educational tours
3: wow i'm so glad you did that was just
4: a, an, an amazing story to how you got here, Jenny. And, you know, one of the things that, um, that I love about your book, The Lucky Ones, is how personalized, you know, you're able to, to um, talk about each animal and you really get to see the personalities of these animals that come to live with you. Could you talk a little bit about um, one or two of your residents that's at the farm?
0: Sure. Um one uh well there's so many. They're all unique individuals and they we I don't have favorites here, but some of the animals do come with pretty heroic stories um or sad stories. But I'll start with a heroic story and um that's Kaylee the cow. She's this white beautiful she's a her breed is a charlotte and she's a beef type cow so she wouldn't have been used for dairy um she was i think probably about 10 months old when she was brought um into philadelphia just outside of philadelphia actually to what's known as a halal slaughterhouse and um a lot of people aren't aware that there are slaughterhouses that exist in urban dwellings that cater to different cultures that are used to having or that require their meat to be slaughtered, the animals to be slaughtered in a certain way. Um, you know, in the United States, for the typical American, um, you would eat beef from a cow who had a captive bolt gun. Um, aimed at their head and a bolt shot into their brain to render them unconscious. Not that that's always successful, but for halal meat, uh, which caters to the Muslim community, the animals have um, to bleed out, so they're not rendered unconscious. And um, the photos show, because there, was, there were photos of Kaylee in a pen, with a number of other terrified animals, goats and sheep and other calves. And um, what had happened is that when she was being loaded in, she saw the opportunity to run for her life, and she did. And she ran all over the neighborhood and the streets just outside of Philadelphia until she was finally captured by um, police officers and was subdued and taken back to the slaughterhouse. And by that time, the story broke on the news about this cow running for her life, running around the streets and trying to evade capture. But... Um, When she was brought back to the slaughterhouse, there was really a public outcry to save her life. You know, it's an interesting phenomenon that happens when one animal gets away and they become an individual in the mind of the public. And the thing is, is that they're all individuals. But Kaylee, thankfully, people cared enough and and cried out for her to be released. And we were contacted um, early on, the day that she had escaped, asking if we could take her in. We said yes, and Kaylee came to live with us at a life of freedom where she'll never end up on someone's plate. She is an incredible ambassador ambassador to animals and cows just like her because she immediately learned to trust us. She could sense that she was in an environment of love and respect, and um, she has bonded with another Slaughterhouse escapee that we took in earlier this year, Mike Jr., and a retired dairy cow named Maybell, and the three of them just love each other, and they moo to the cows, the other big steer that we have over the fence, and they just, they live the life that all cows and all other farm animals should be allowed to have. She's incredibly friendly. She's got this crazy mop of hair right on the top of her head that we often talk about, like dying with a streak of pink or something. Um, but she is. She's just incredibly sweet. She's full of personality, and she's loved by so many. And we're so happy that she's here living with us and and being the amazing uh, representative for her kind that she
3: is. Wow. We're talking with Jenny Brown, author of The Lucky Ones. My Passionate Fight for Farm Animals, a truly, truly beautiful book. It was just awarded Book of the Year in the 2012 Veg News Awards. You can also find out more about the Woodstock Farm Animal Sanctuary at woodstocksanctuary.org. They're on Twitter at Woodstock Farm. I'm on Twitter at Victoria underscore Moran. They always leave out the underscore on the voiceover. What's your Twitter, Alicia? I'm on Twitter at, at Elephant Bell. At Elephant Belly. Mm-hmm. How sweet. We should all learn to honor that a little bit more. So, Jenny, what can people do to support your work for farmed animals? Well,
0: of course, we we invite people to come up and to visit with the animals. We're open to the public from April through October. Uh, but you can come up anytime and volunteer. We're always in need of volunteers. Um, we like to joke and say, you know, the animals don't have opposable thumbs, so they rely on us to clean up their poo. Um, But there's a lot more to volunteering than just cleaning up poo. But um, they can uh, donate to our organization. We're a charitable nonprofit organization. They can sponsor an animal. Um, Like Farm Sanctuary, we have a sponsor, a turkey program, where, you know, we – send out pictures of, of the turkey that you're sponsoring for a year with their rescue story and information about their personalities. Uh, but they can sponsor an animal um, anytime and any species of animal here. And we now also have a beautiful bed and breakfast, and it's open year-round, and people can come up and stay at the bed and breakfast, have a fabulous vegan meal uh, in the morning, and then uh, go outside with your coffee and look at expansive pastures of beautiful rescued farm animals. Um, so, you know, we're always looking for people to donate professional skills, People who um, also just want to bring maybe loved ones, friends, and family members to come and see these animals face to face that they only know as food, and hopefully, you know what we inspire. What we aspire to do is to inspire the compassion that's already within people, and showing them that these animals are deserving of our moral consideration and of our respect and compassion can be a very, very powerful tool. And, um, you know, Of of course, we'd like to say that we want the world to turn vegan overnight. It's not going to happen. So we talk to people about how billions of other animals, just like the ones you're meeting, uh, live and die in today's industrialized animal agriculture. And um, we encourage people, as Kathy Freston says, to at least lean into um, a plant-based diet, move away from eating the corpses of dead animals and and their milk and eggs. And we um, give out information on how to become a vegetarian and vegan, easy recipes and, and steps to take. So all, there's all kinds of ways that you can support our work. But um, the main thing is, is get up here, see our good work firsthand. These animals have the best lives imaginable, and um, we're very proud to become one of the top farm animal sanctuaries in the country it's and- um it's an honor that that we have
3: it's a lovely, lovely place to visit. So if you're in some other part of the country thinking, well, I'll never go there, well, think again. It's a very easy trip from New York City, from Philadelphia, from Albany. It's also just outside cute little Woodstock, which, you know, is keeping 1969 alive on t- into infinity. So you can really make a lovely weekend, a lovely week. Um, Visiting Jenny and uh, Woodstock Farm Animal Sanctuary. I have a quick story. When we visited your sanctuary for the first time, it was during a very, very, very sad period for our family. My husband's 16-year-old son had recently died of a freak illness. And we thought maybe a day in the country, you know, a month or so out would make us feel better. It didn't. So I thought I would just walk around, see some animals, and we would drive back to New York City and be miserable in familiar surroundings. My husband just sat in the car. But after some time, he got out. and He was just kind of leaning on a fence. And there was a group of of, um, cattle beings uh, talking with some people and I think getting some apples. But there was one big black steer way off in the field like he didn't care about any of that stuff. But as soon as William got there, in all of his grief, this this steer sensed that, came up to him, no interest in anybody else, And leaned his giant head on my husband's shoulder and then started nuzzling his ear. He stood there for well over five minutes as if to say, I've had trouble, too, and I'm not going to leave till you feel better. Now, I know people will say, well, that's anthropomorphizing. You know what? That's just empathizing. And you don't have to be human to be able to do that. So thank you, Jenny. And thanks to, I think you said his name was Charlie, maybe?
0: No, his name is Ralphie. Ralphie, that's right. The big black steer. He was destined to be a veal calf, um, but was rescued very early on before he made the trip to the veal farm. And so he and two others are nine years old this year. Wow. And um, also just wonderful ambassadors and being able to introduce people to these unusual steer that you would rarely ever see because they're the unwanted byproduct of the dairy Ah. industry, so that's why they become veal. But they're Giant teddy bears, and they do pick up on our senses. They do pick up on our emotions. They have their own emotions. If one of them has to go to the vet and is put into the back of the truck and, and, and carried away into the horse trailer, excuse me, the other guys cry their head off. It's terrifying to them. They don't know where their friend's going. And it's just, you know, those kind of special moments that we hope people can see and realize the sentient beings that they are, full of life and personality and individuality. And I just think that's beautiful that he came up and comforted, because he often doesn't, he kind of stands back and doesn't have much to do with anybody. But it's wonderful to hear that story.
3: Well, he, he could have a good job as a grief counselor, I'll tell you that. <laughs> so Jenny, how. <laughs> real quick, in our last minute, what are you having for Thanksgiving dinner?
0: well i'm actually going over to a friend's house in town um, and i'm not sure what the menu is, but she is uh, she and her husband Ria and Tom are also vegans and I'm sure they're going to cook up a storm as Ria likes to do and um But we're personally here at the sanctuary, we're cutting up some cooked pumpkin and some cranberries and some bread, and we're going to go out and give the animals some special treats for Thanksgiving because we're thankful for them, and we're thankful for having the opportunity to do the work that we do for them.
3: Wow, and we're thankful for you, Jenny, and for Woodstock Farm Animal Sanctuary. Get the book, The Lucky Ones. Check out woodstocksanctuary.org, and keep up the good work. All the best to you guys up there.
0: Thank you so much, and you keep up the good work, too.
3: Thanks a lot. Okay, stay with us. We've got another great guest after these messages.
2: Are you ready for the next steps on your spiritual path? If you are, you won't want to miss the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, with Reverend Ellen Grace O'Brien from the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment in San Jose, California. Essential insights and practices from the ancient yoga science of self-realization show us how to live healthier, happier, more balanced lives. The benefits of spiritually conscious living start now. For tuning in for Main Street Vegan, here are your hosts, Victoria and Adair.
3: Hey, everybody, welcome back to Main Street Vegan. I'm Victoria Moran here today with a new sidekick, Alicia Leeds Myers. Say hi. Hi, everybody. (laughs) And hello to our next guest, Anne Dinshaw. Oh my goodness, I have known Ann Dinshaw since she was but a wee toddler because her parents, Freya Dinshaw and the late Jay Dinshaw, probably the greatest mentor in my life, founded the American Vegan Society in 1960. I always think of that as the first season of Mad Men. Can you imagine? Well, Anne has grown up to be an absolutely beautiful, articulate, athletic vegan. She is a rowing coach and um, the mother of a lovely young, young boy named Clint. And Anne, with her mother Freya, have come out with a hot off the presses and incredible cookbook for kids. It's called Apples, Bean Dip, and Carrot Cake. Kids, teach yourself to cook. And that's exactly what it does. And I'm recommending this book to adults, such as my husband, who don't know the first thing to do in a kitchen. This is really a coup, Anne. Congratulations on such an incredible and beautiful, beautifully illustrated book. Thank you. So what gave you guys the idea to write a vegan cookbook for kids?
5: That was completely my mom's idea. Freya decided that uh, that's an area that's really sad, that people don't know how to cook. Uh, The parents don't know how to cook, so they don't teach their children how to cook. And it's really a lost art in our society. So uh, seeing the need for it and especially healthy recipes, uh, she decided that was going to be her project.
3: I just love this because it really is basic. And I think we went through a long period of, of cooking just being seen. I don't know. It wasn't masculine, but it also wasn't for the liberated woman. So nobody did it except restaurants. And now we're coming back into this thing where food is such a big deal and everybody's watching the food network and six of the 10 best sellers and in, in that uh, the I believe they call it advice, self help, and miscellaneous are all cookbooks, and yet these basic skills people don't know. So you've got things in here as basic as how to peel an apple, how to spin salad leaves, how to grate a carrot. I can hardly wait. My husband is out of town, but when he gets back, he's going to start making some of the salads. You know, I love this
4: also, Victoria, just um, spending time with my niece and nephews. When they're involved in the kitchen, they're so eager to eat the food that they make, and they're so interested in learning about the food. So this is a perfect way for any family to really get
3: their kids involved in the kitchen. So what's your favorite recipe in the book? My favorite recipe,
5: well, it's so hard to pick because there are so many great recipes, but it's probably, uh, probably the lasagna recipe. There's a, a really easy lasagna recipe, but it, it's near the end of the book. So by the time that you get to the lasagna recipe, it's spinach, tofu, lasagna, you've learned so many skills that you put it together. And here you're making this main dish for your whole family. And it's really fun to make. You get to squish the tofu between your fingers and mix all the things together and put things in layers. Um, so I, I probably make that one more often than some of the other recipes.
3: Well, I'm seeing this recipe, and it's just great. The other thing that's so cool about this book is that you have pictures not only of the food, but of the actual children who prepared it. So a kid isn't thinking, yeah, some adult made this and is trying to pull a number on me. They can really see the kids. The lasagna only has nine ingredients. You've got spinach for the green vegetable. You've got carrots for the yellow vegetable. You've got nutritional yeast for B vitamins, tofu for calcium and protein. So even though we look at lasagna and think it's kind of a decadent dish, this is really healthy too.
5: And the kids really, they like it. Most of the kids were not vegan who worked on this book. Most of them did not have experience in the kitchen or not significant experience in the kitchen. And they really did make and eat these recipes and help us edit the recipes. And they really had a blast doing it. So um, all the kids in the book vouch for the quality of the recipes.
3: Well, I'm loving it. So everybody check out Apples, Bean Dip, and Carrot Cake. Where's the best way to get the book, Ann? Well, the best way is to go to
5: AmericanVegan.org. You can check out the American Vegan Society's website. But it's also uh, available on Amazon. And uh, we think it's very important to say that it's a book for anybody. You don't have to be vegan. You just have to be interested in being in the kitchen and creating some really delicious recipes that are good for you.
3: Absolutely, and easy. I'm all for easy. And I'm glad that you're sending people to the American Vegan Society website. Veganism has so taken off, as we all know. It's just beyond my <laughs> comprehension from when I first contacted your mom and dad back in, oh my gosh, I'm age- aging myself, 1970. But it's it's so necessary that people get it, that this organization was bringing veganism to the united states it was there before PETA. it was there before farm animal sanctuaries of any kind and i just think every vegan and vegetarian in america ought to be a member of the american vegan society it's it's our heritage and without your parents good heavens i would be at mcdonald's now and near death
5: so thank you um, a lot of times people become members of the organization then they get the information they need. They uh, learn how to be a healthy, successful vegan and then they move on to other things in their life and so a lot of it is um, just always educating people and being there as a resource for whoever needs them.
3: Well, you have been, your organization has been a resource for me since I was but a wee young lass, and I really, really appreciate that. Now, we're here mostly today to talk about this great kid's book, I cannot talk it up enough, Apples, Bean Dip, and Carrot Cake, but you're also the author of Dating Vegans. Tell us about that. Well,
5: Dating Vegans is a book for anybody who knows at least one vegan person, anyone who you interact with, whether they're a friend or a coworker, But as the name suggests, it's really best for if you're in a relationship where one person's vegan and one person's not vegan. So it's a collection of stories and uh, examples of recipes that are vegan but the people who are not vegan will like, Um and it's it's real people's stories, and that's what makes it unique is that people such as Victoria and her husband <laughs> were uh, in here, and they shared their own personal stories, what worked for them, and whether whether they come out with the same outcome or not. Some people decide to have both people become vegan. Some people maintain completely separate uh, areas of the kitchen. But everybody's got a different option of of what they figure works because we never know who we're going to fall in love with.
3: What a lovely attitude. sure is. And what I love
4: about your book um, is how you're really able to show the ways that people were able to focus in on, Other quality characteristics, because I think sometimes, especially for new vegans, we get so passionate about living this lifestyle that oftentimes we may forget that other things have brought us to our loved one in the first place. Um, And you yourself identified, I think, 15 other top qualities of a man um, before uh, the vegan I did, and I, I like to
5: think that being vegan is very important to me. At the same time, there are so many other great qualities about the men that I've dated that I, I did identify 15 others before the word vegan, uh, and that doesn't mean that I would date someone who's antagonistic towards vegans, uh, but if someone's intelligent, athletic, and healthy, then I've got a lot of really great things in common with them, things that we like to do and talk about, that would come before being vegan, and then we have to sit down and enjoy a meal. And I think if someone is intelligent, athletic, and healthy, then they're going to want to try some of my vegan foods, even if they're not completely vegan themselves. Uh, We can have a lot of fun together.
3: Ah, it's the lure of the kitchen, (laughs) how we make converts. (laughs) Well, the person who does the
5: cooking often holds the key to the relationship in terms of the food choices yeah that is so if you're good in the kitchen then it's it's very easy for you however a lot of us are not that good in the kitchen so again this this book has really simple recipes there are 50 recipes that are easy to make hard to mess up and so easy that you can even dare to cook them together on a date which i often did
3: Well, that's the cool thing. You know, if you get together and you have children or you adopt children and then you get yourselves a copy of Apple's Bean Dip and Carrot Cake, you can cook together as a family regardless of what the other parent is doing when he or she is out on his own. So you're just making it all together. First, you've got us dating. Then you've got us having kids. What is your next book? (laughs) <laughs> That's a great question. Right now
5: I am enjoying sharing these two books with everybody out there.
3: For, for the kids book, how many kids were involved with this? I look at the pictures and it seems like you have a whole town. Well, there, there are about 26 kids
5: who were involved. Um, really actively involved in being the chefs directly for the book. There were numerous other helpers along the way who inspired my mother to start the book and inspired me uh, to continue working on it when my mom didn't have time to, to really focus on the book. So um, that's why we also list many anonymous helpers. But there are pictures all throughout the book, and the the kids who are the chefs are listed in the the acknowledgments with their full names, and we couldn't be more proud of all the things they accomplished in this book.
3: Aw, well, they look so happy, and they look so real. I mean, these are not actor kids.
5: Most of them had never really posed for anything other than a snapshot for a Christmas photo before, and it was great fun. I got to be the photographer as well as uh, be their assistant in the kitchen, so the kid was in charge. I just kept them safe and made sure that they uh, had the equipment they needed and the ingredients they needed um, to make it all happen, but they, they followed the recipe. They read and edited my recipes, and I hung out behind the camera and just snapped away what they were really doing, and most of these are from the first time doing a recipe. It's what they actually look
3: like. Now, if I'm understanding it right, one little girl did every recipe in the whole book, kind of like that Julia Child movie. Is that right?
5: (laughs) She did. She's an amazing kid. Uh, She's actually a neighbor uh, in my mom's neighborhood, and uh, Emily Mingen, who the book is dedicated to, she came over one summer, and uh, she was ready at 7 o'clock in the morning, eager to to work many days a week. And she worked her way sequentially through the book to make sure that everything flowed, that all the skills uh, that were learned matched up with what she should be learning so that she was ready for the next recipe. And she did the entire book, and um, she did a great job. My chef's hat is off to her.
3: Well, she has a lovely quote where Emily says, "'Kids think of cooking as what parents do.'" This book can open an exciting new window. Cooking is a fun at home activity. I really got into it. And showing up at seven in the morning, she really got into it. And, you know, I also love that, you know, looking at these pictures, you
4: can see the kids are learning all kinds of fine motor skills as well as math and measuring and cutting. And, you know, it really is a whole educational process. So, did and you cook?
5: Thing- Go ahead. Anne. Sorry. Another thing that's really important is that uh, for the adults who get a chance to look through the book, they get reminded of how to do safe things in the kitchen. I know I'm guilty of chopping vegetables on top of a pot like the pots open and I just chop them in my hand and how dangerous is that if a kid sees you doing that and how often do we cut ourselves in the kitchen so for kids to learn and see what's what's really safe is is one of the values of this book
3: that's a great point that's a really good point did you make food with your mom growing up
5: I did. I I didn't really have one of those play sets. I got to use the actual food and the actual kitchen equipment, and it was fun. And then I got to taste what it was. I don't really remember a time when I was not allowed to be in the kitchen, and so I'm passing that along to my child. He might be almost two, and uh, a lot of people would go, what? He's in the kitchen? Yeah, he loves to play with the water. He loves to scrub the potatoes. He, He just loves to be a part of what I'm doing.
3: I wish I had somebody here for tomorrow who was into scrubbing potatoes. (laughs) I would take an almost two-year-old to help with that job. So, Anne, you're a lifelong vegan, and I know my daughter Adair is as well. And you guys just have a different take on this whole thing from those of us who are converts. What does it look like from where you sit?
5: For me, it's very exciting. I grew up being a vegan kid. I didn't know many other vegan kids. I had a couple of relatives that were vegans. But there really weren't many. And now you go anywhere, and people actually know what the word vegan means, and people are happy to accommodate your your needs. And there are very few people who don't know what the word vegan means. I think I I dated a couple of them in my book, (laughs) Dating Vegans. But it's such a common thing now that it's exciting. You can walk into any supermarket and there's things actually labeled vegan in there. And I'm not just talking in the produce aisle.
3: Yeah, it... it we're an idea whose time has come, that is for darn sure and the work of you and and your folks has so much to do with it your mother's book, The Vegan Kitchen is still a staple in my kitchen there was a time when that was the only vegan cookbook that as far as I knew existed on the planet and I'd still hold it up there against any of them and now you've got apples, bean dip and carrot cake fabulous for kids, you also have your book Dating Vegan so check both of those out at AmericanVegan.org, or you could also get the books on Amazon.com. Now, and you're also the co author with Mary Beth Abrams of The Four Ingredient Vegan. That's another great book because four ingredients, that's about my limit.
5: Thank you. That was a really fun activity uh, to be involved with. Mary Beth called me up, and uh, she was almost done the book, and she needed a few more ideas. And uh, so I actually invited some rowers I was coaching at the time at Ohio State University to come. To brunch and I would just ask them four at a time to tell me what their favorite vegetables are and um, what type of desserts they like and if there's anything they're allergic to and anything they really don't like eating and it was sort of like putting together a puzzle and then I would invite them to brunch and I would serve up anywhere between eight to ten new recipes. And I did this for six Sundays in a row, and presto, I had a whole lot of new recipes for Mary Beth's book. It's the most prolific time i ever had in creating new recipes, and also some of the most fun I've ever had.
3: So, Anne, you're an athlete, and and I've seen you. You have muscle. You really have muscle. And a lot of people would say, oh, vegan. You know, I, I can't be vegan, you know, because I'm an athlete, whether they really are or not. So what's your take on on how athletes need to be eating a plant-based diet?
5: Well, I think it's healthier for everybody to be eating a plant-based diet, and the animals appreciate it. However, the concerns about energy for being an athlete, you just really need to be smart about what you're eating and eat a variety of sources. You can't just become a junk food vegan or some other stupid idea, go on some wacky diet. A vegan diet is a very healthy, well-rounded diet when it's done properly. So if you're not sure what to do, buy a book about vegan nutrition or talk to somebody who is a good, healthy vegan person as a role model.
3: Ah, bless you. Well, that's why we're training the vegan lifestyle coaches like Alicia. Exactly.
4: Do you have a favorite go-to recovery food, Anne?
5: I like fruit I, I, right after a workout. I think that uh, a good, fresh, ripe peach in the middle of the summer is terrific. Uh, but I, I like to have a variety of food, so I, I don't want to just say you know, that is my one thing because then people would say, well, okay, that's all I need. Um, but generally fruit gets into your system very quickly after a workout, and so I'll start with that, and then I'll branch into the heavier things, the grains and the beans and other vegetables as well.
3: So in our last minute, we're asking everybody today, what are you having for Thanksgiving dinner?
5: Ah, it's Dinshaw Thanksgiving, so it is a vegan potluck, there'll be at least 40 people here at my mom's house, and I really couldn't tell you exactly what it's going to be because it's a potluck, but everything is delicious, there's so many foods that we eat at about 2 o'clock in the afternoon, and then we have a whole separate meal of the desserts at 6 o'clock in the evening.
3: Wow, a separate desserts meal sanctioned by the American Vegan Society. (laughs) Life is good. Thank you so much, Anne, for being with us today. Happy holiday to you and your family. And everybody, be sure to check out Apples Bean Dip and Carrot Cake. Kids, Teach Yourself to Cook by Anne and Freya Dinshaw. Also, Dating Vegans by Anne Dinshaw. And The Four Ingredient Vegan by Mary Beth Abrams and Anne Dinshaw. You can get those at AmericanVegan.org or on Amazon.com. Where you can also check out Jenny Brown's wonderful book, The Lucky Ones. And... Our wonderful book, Main Street Vegan, everything you need to know to eat healthfully and live compassionately in the real world. And check out my blog as well for lots of Thanksgiving recipes. And tomorrow, I'm actually listing the 10 things for which I am most grateful, and that's 10 of many. And right now, I'm very grateful to our guest today and to lovely Alicia Leeds Myers for sharing the microphone.
4: Well, thank you so much for having me on today, Victoria. I really appreciate this. And as a recent graduate of Main Street Vegan Academy, I can say that this is one of the best
3: Thanksgivings of my life. Oh, God bless you and God bless everybody. Be back with us next week for more Main Street Vegan here on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world.
2: Thank you for listening to Main Street Vegan. Join us every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Central Time as Victoria and Adair Moran entertain, educate, and inspire you on your vegan journey. This program is sponsored by Main Street Vegan. To learn more about Victoria and Adair or to explore training with Main Street Vegan Academy as a vegan lifestyle coach, go to www.mainstreetvegan.net. That's www.mainstreetvegan.net.
1: Whether you love the Bible or hate it, turn to it daily, or refuse to have it in your house, The Bible Alive Exploring Your Spiritual Roadmap is a program designed just for you here on Unity FM. Unity Minister Rev Ed Townley presents the Bible as a practical, powerful spiritual roadmap full of wisdom and guidance for the challenges of life today. A roadmap for your spiritual journey. Isn't that just what you are seeking? Join us every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Central Time, 4 p.m. Eastern, for The Bible Alive, exploring your spiritual roadmap with Rev Ed Townley, only on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. Inspiration only takes a moment. Consider these inspirational thoughts from the Quest for Prayer from Unity House Books. Holding a special, loving thought for other people benefits us as much as it benefits them. In fact, in some ways, even more so. Consider, for example, what happens when you wash your car with a hose. What gets clean first? The inside of the hose, of course, because the water must rush through the hose before it can clean the car. So it is when we hold loving thoughts for someone. As those loving thoughts rush through us, they bless us first. It is a win-win situation.
2: This meditative moment is brought to you by Unity.
1: Whether you love the Bible or hate it, turn to it daily, or refuse to have it in your house, The Bible Alive Exploring Your Spiritual Roadmap is a program designed just for you here on Unity FM. Unity Minister Rev Ed Townley presents the Bible as a practical, powerful spiritual roadmap full of wisdom and guidance for the challenges of life today. A roadmap for your spiritual journey, isn't that just what you are seeking? join us every wednesday at 3 p.m central time 4 p.m eastern for the bible alive exploring your spiritual roadmap with rev ed townley only on unity fm the voice of an awakening world